Praise God. Okay, so as we get started, go ahead and bring me down a little bit. As we get started, uh, this is uh, part two in a series on Hanukkah. And so super excited about that. This is one of my favorite seasons every year. Today we're going to talk about the Maccabees. And uh, we're not going to finish. We're just going to jump into it and then hopefully get there next week. And then we'll do some follow-up in the weeks ahead uh, as we kind of finish out December. Before I start, though, I just got to bring us up to speed with a particular media platform that is starting to censor us. We're starting to have our shows pulled off YouTube. Now, I believe their goal is to cancel us, but they cannot silence us. In Messiah, we are invincible. This is the story of the Maccabees, right? So um, we might need to move uh, to platforms like Rumble. How many people know Rumble? All right, there you go. Uh, platforms that value free speech and the right of the people to exercise their religion. So as this particular platform monitors us, and begins to strip us of our inalienable rights to speech, free speech, and to practicing our faith, we will monitor them and ask heaven to penalize them double for what they're doing to us. Yeah, the prayers of a righteous people availeth much. Touch not on the Lord's anointed. Okay, so they woke us up. We too now are also awake. It's a different kind of wake and a different kind of woke. So I say, let's make the church great again. <laughs> okay, Hanukkah, the Maccabees, the story of the Maccabees. So God has warned his people through his prophet Daniel that a wicked king would arise in the kingdom of Greece, who would attack Jerusalem, take control of the temple, defile it, and destroy the people of Israel. In the apostolic scriptures, he is cast as the Antichrist. In fact, he'll go down in history as the greatest Antichrist of the Greek Empire. He is a forerunner to the coming Antichrist of the Roman Empire. These and other Antichrists are types and shadows of the ones that are here today and will be here in our future. The story of the Maccabees gives us the contexts, the portraits, and the principles to persevere and overcome these antichrists, their agendas, oppression, and persecutions. So today we'll explore the mysteries of Daniel, his visions, of Hanukkah and what they mean to us. And then also in the weeks ahead, what they meant to Jesus. This is very important for us to understand because it's part of our history and our people, the people we're grafted into, Amsegula, my treasured people, Israel. So last week we looked into Daniel's visions of the coming kingdom of Greece and a king who would attempt to defile and destroy Jerusalem, the temple, and the people of Israel. So we're going to take a look at the fulfillment of these visions from Daniel in the Greek Empire at around the period of about 170 to 130 BCE. I, I, want, to, I want to just preface all this. 
And I want to say up front, because I always run out of time. Jesus is the reason for the season. Everything we do, every festival, every Shabbat, everything finds its fullness in Jesus. You need to ask Jesus to be your Lord, your Lord and Savior. This is about eternity. This is about life. We are born dead in our trespasses and sins. We are born condemned to hell. God offers his son to us because he loves us. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is why we always encourage people, if you've not asked him into your life, ask him into your life. Let us baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and seal that faith publicly so that you know you're in. Because no matter what you learn, all this stuff that you're learning, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, in the end it will not help you. So make Jesus your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, see me, see a pastor, tell someone, hey, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name, right? I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I want to be baptized. It's your life. Don't gamble it. You have no idea how long you'll live. No one does. Don't play games with your life. Get right with God through faith in his son, Jesus. Get baptized, hit the road running, we'll run with you, and we'll overcome the evil in this world together. Amen. All right. Daniel, chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, a little bit of a review here. He said, now I'm going to tell you what will happen during the time of doom that is coming. This is Gabriel telling Daniel. Because at the appointed time there will be an end. The two-horned ram you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The long-haired he-goat is the king of Greece. And the big horn between its eyes is the first king. The horn that snapped so that four came up in its place means that four kingdoms will come from one nation, but these four won't have the strength of the first one. The fulfillment? A king arises in a new empire. It's the Greek Empire. Alexander the Great. 1 Maccabees chapter 1 gives us the fulfillment of this vision. It says Alexander was Philip's son, Macedonian, one of the western peoples known as the Katim. After Alexander became king of Greece, he defeated King Darius who ruled the Persians and the Medes. By doing so, Alexander greatly enlarged his realm. He successfully fought many battles, conquered fortresses, put to death many kings. He advanced to the very ends of the known earth, plundering nation after nation. If you know anything about Alexander the Great, he was the greatest military strategist the world has ever known. He blew through so many nations. I mean, he is just the epitome of a military strategist. And so he is just blowing through his empire, comes on very quick, just like Daniel's vision of the he-goat that comes running up alongside of, of the two-horned goat, I think it is, ram. Yeah, media Persian empire. And he just takes it out to the ground. He's coming so fast, it says that his feet don't even touch the ground. Depicting the speed of the rise of this king, Alexander the Great. He is very young, too, as a king. Very young. He just swept the earth in, 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 in glory in terms of um, kings and battles. 
Verse 22, the horn that snapped so that the four came up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me get down here. He advanced to the ends of the known earth, plundering nation after nation. Finally, his battles reached an end. He was widely recognized as supreme king, which made him proud. He built a very strong army, ruled countries, nations, and princes. They all owed allegiance to him. But eventually, Alexander fell sick and was confined to bed. He knew that he was dying. He therefore called for his most esteemed officers, those who had been raised with him. He divided his kingdom among them while he was still alive. Then Alexander died, having ruled for 12 years. And we read about this. Hundreds of years later, it comes to pass. It's an amazing set of prophecies that Daniel gives us. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, right? But Israel lives forever. Back to Daniel 8, 23-24. When there, the four kings that received the division of the kingdom from Alexander, when their kingship nears its end and their sins are almost complete, a king will step forth. He will be stern, a master of deception. At the height of his power, he will wreak unbelievable destructions. He will succeed in all that he does. He will destroy both the mighty and the people of the holy ones. This is referred to in Daniel as the little horn. It's the little horn of, of, of the kingdom of Greece. It's important for us to keep in our minds the imagery and what it relates to. Now, we see this fulfilled also in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, 8 through 10. It says this, Subsequently, his officers, the four, began to rule, each in his own territory. They ruled as kings, and after them, their descendants ruled for many years. Together, they caused much suffering across the earth. From these descendants sprouted a sinful root, Antiochus Epiphanes. Boo. No, that's Purim. Sorry. That's Haman, right? Okay. He was son. He was the son of King Antiochus, and he had been brought up in Rome as a hostage. Antiochus Epiphanes began to rule in the year 137, according to the calendar of the Greek kingdom. Back to Daniel. Chapter 8 and verse 25. Along with his cunning, he will succeed using deceit. Along with his cunning, he will succeed by using deceit. This is code. This is a Hebraism. This is meant to be kind of a hyperlink to other things that came before us in the scriptures. You think of cunning and you think of deception. What animal do you think of? The serpent. The serpent was cunning, right? More clever than all the beasts of the field. So this really is to clue us in that there's something in operation in this king related to being cunning and deceitful that's important for us to understand in this story. Along with his cunning, he will succeed by using deceit in his own mind. He will be great. Side note, like I got any time. I should never do this, but side note, right? He was great in his own mind. Yeah, because, because he's of the serpent. And the serpent thought he was great. Now, the serpent is just code for a divine being, Satan, right? He is a divine son of God, one of the divine beings that God had created who went rogue 
And these immortal ones, they were shining. They had light. They were light beings. That's why the Hebrew word for, I think it's nakash, for serpent, actually has a nuance that's related to like uh, the metal copper because it, it shimmers, right? So what we have is this divine being, this immortal being that shows up in the garden because what do you think? Eve's an idiot? You think a Bill Python come, come strutting up to her and speaking would just freak her out? Yeah, it'd freak any man out too. No, it's a reference to Satan coming as a divine being into the garden, this being of light, and interacting with her. And God says, because Satan, we later learn in the scriptures, he seeks to be even greater than the Most High God. He thinks so highly of himself, he says, I'm going to exalt myself above the Most High God. I, I am greater than him. I know more than him. I can run creation better than he can. Yeah, super prideful. So what does God say? Because you did what you did with my kids in the garden, you're going to crawl around on your belly like a snake. See, see, if it's a literal serpent in the garden, it makes no sense that the curse is you're going to slither on the ground like a snake. You're already a snake that slithers. It makes no sense unless it's a divine being, right? A divine being that says, I'm going to be greater than most high. So the most high says, okay, since you said that, I'm going to make you the lowest rather than you, you want to be the highest. I'm going to make you the lowest. You'll be on your belly by the time I'm done. Okay. So this spirit is in all of the antichrists. There's many antichrists along the way. John says many antichrists have already gone out from among us in the first century, right? So you have a lot of antichrists, smaller ones, moderate ones, and great ones. This is one of the great ones. This is the little horn, the little horn of Greece, the antichrist of Greece. Says in his own mind, he will be great in a time of peace. He will bring destruction on many, opposing even the supreme leader. He will be broken and not by human hand. In other words, he's not going to die in battle. He's, he's going to die in a way that everyone recognizes wow, God was involved in this, not, not humanity. Now let's talk about apostasy, because there was a great apostasy, apostasy that took place back then, and a great apostasy that takes place. In the future as well, Paul talks about the great falling away. So the word apostasy means to fall away. So Israel, she falls away at this time. In fact, Israel desires to be like Greece. First Maccabees 1.11, this is the backdrop to the story. It was then that there emerged from Israel a set of renegades, turncoats, rebels, right? These are, these are traitors in Israel who led many people astray. This is the apostasy. Come, they said, let's ally ourselves with the Gentiles surrounding us. For since we separated ourselves from them, many misfortunes have overtaken us. Since we separated ourselves. Separation. What is the Hebrew word for separation? Starts with S also. A hint. Come on. Sanctification. Yeah, sanctification means to be separated and made holy, right? You have cooking utensils. 
The ones that are in your home are not holy. But the ones that were set apart to be used only in the temple were sanctified, set apart, and made holy. They could only be used there. Same utensils. The only difference was they were set apart for a holy purpose. And they're saying, you know, we started walking in God's ways and it separated us. We're different from others. That has not bode well for us. So let's drop this sanctification thing. And let's be like everyone else. Let's just blend in. Doesn't everyone just want to belong? Isn't that what we all just want? We just want to belong. We'll do all kinds of things just to belong, won't we? Yeah, especially, especially when we're so impressionable in our youth, especially in like grade school, junior high, high school for sure. Man, we just want to belong. We'll compromise in every way just to belong. Well, that's what Israel's doing. They want to compromise. They want to say, hey, let's be like Greece. Let's get out of this predicament of being oppressed because we're different. So they're sellouts. They're turning their back on God and his ways. They think they're going to uh, somehow, uh, uh, somehow escape being ridiculed and uh, oppressed. See, this was the political correctness and wokeness of their day. They were becoming politically correct in Greece. They were becoming woke back in Greece so they could fit in. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in, in his uh, epistle, verse 4 of chapter 4. You adulterers, don't you know that making friends with this corrupt world order is open aggression towards God? So anyone who aligns with this bogus world system is declaring war against the one true God. 1 John 5.19, have confidence in the fact that we belong to God, but also know that the world around us is in the grips of the evil one. It gives us perspective, doesn't it? Verse 12, this, propo this proposal proved acceptable, and a number of people eagerly approached the king who authorized them to practice Gentile observances. So they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem, such as the Gentiles have. They disguised their circumcision. Think about that. They built a, they built a gymnasium. Why? What's going on? What's, what's up with the gymnasiums, right? See, Greek culture was all about the opposite of what is valued in God's kingdom. So in the Greek world, it's all about youth. It's all about good looks, young, vibrant people, right? So they had these gymnasiums where they competed and showed their power and their strength. It was all about the flesh. So they had all the Olympic games. That's where we get our Olympic games from, right? But guess what? They all performed or, or competed in the nude. All of them. It was, it was in the nude. They wanted to show their, their glory and their strength and their beauty. That's all we do that today. You know, you look at everything. It's all about showing as much flesh as you can get away with. And, and, and now it's just, it's crazy compared to what it used to be, right? Yeah, it's all, it's all about that young and, and, and just, you know, just, just, you know, out of control expressions 
of, of, of sexuality, a, a sexualization of, of who we are as human beings. That's why they wanted to cover up their circumcision. They disguised it. See, if they're all wearing clothes, you don't have to worry about that. It's because they weren't wearing clothes that everyone would say, what? They're not Greeks. So they actually had this surgery that they would perform to actually reverse, in, in terms of what you see, their circumcision so they, they would appear to be Greek. That's not a good idea. That's not a good idea, is it? Because that was a symbol of the gospel that we're saved by grace through faith and the promised seed to come. It's the sign of the covenant. And they're going to say, no, we're going to go ahead and turn our backs on the government. I mean, the covenant. We're going to turn our backs on the covenant publicly. Not just personally, but formally and publicly. It says, and abandon the holy covenant, submitting to Gentile rule as willing slaves of impiety, willing slaves of immorality. Now, they still believed in God. They still counted themselves as spiritual. They just got rid of any of the evidence. Oh, I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want heaven. But I don't want any constraints on my life. I want to be woke like everyone else. This was the cultural setting right before this wicked king attacks them. This is the backdrop. I, I want to point this out. A number of sages point this out. The reason that Israel goes through what she goes through is because she turned her back on God. Yeah, th this wicked pagan king didn't just attack out of the blue. The wicked king under the sovereignty of God attacks because Israel had turned her back on God. God is using a wicked king once again with, with a powerful army to break Israel down for her apostasy, for her traitorous ways. You know, America is falling all around us. The nation is falling. Anyone that has eyes to see can see. The nation is crumbling all around us. Now, will it fall all the way to the ground? Will it be uprooted? That's yet to be seen. But we're almost at that path of no return as a nation for, for many of the same reasons that we read here. Let the reader understand. Jesus says in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation, right? Right? He says, let the reader understand. You know what that's code for? That's code for, go and read the book of the Maccabees. He, he's actually referencing Daniel's writing about, about Greece and Rome. Rome. Rome is about to do what Greece had done too for some of the same reasons. Let the reader understand. Go read the prophecies of Daniel. Go see what happened under the Maccabees because that's coming in his generation. And it's also coming, I think, again. It's another sermon. I just want to be woke like everyone else. The devil will, listen, the devil will never make peace with you even if you betray God. Go ahead and betray God, think, thinking that somehow you're going to escape now the wrath of the enemy in our world, right? Evil in our world. No, 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 no. He hates you. He's seeking 
like a lion, lion for your life. He wants to take your life. You give him an inch and he'll take a mile. As Daniel foretold, this wicked king attacks Jerusalem, murders many, and then plunders it, taking his wealth back to his homeland. She was devastated. He came down, swept through, went, went through Jerusalem. to the tel- He took all their wealth, totally overran them, and left them with nothing and took it all back. Does Israel repent? Does she turn around? She cry out to the Lord? Nope. Which sets her up for round two. Two years later, he sends his highest general and his army back to Jerusalem, apologizes to them, and offers a peace accord with promises of peace and protection and prosperity. And Israel believes all of this and enters a peace treaty only to be caught off guard and attacked again a second time. This is what's called the Forrest Gump principle. Stupid is as stupid does. This time, the second time, the armies bring destructive desolations, and now they stay, and they occupy Jerusalem. In fact, they set up their base of operations in the city of God, and from there they'll attempt to take captive all of Israel. Let's transition a little bit. I want to talk about the agenda of this king because the agenda of this king is the agenda of the Antichrist. And this agenda is always the same no matter who the Antichrist is. If you can understand the agenda, you can see the earmarks of any Antichrist at any given point and where he is in, in, in terms of his agenda and what he's trying to accomplish. Trying to accomplish. So 1 Maccabees 1, 41 through 53. Then the king issued a proclamation to his whole kingdom that all were to become a single people, each nation renouncing its particular customs. Verse 42. All the Gentiles conformed to the king's decree. And many Israelites chose to accept his religion, sacrificing to idols and profaning the Sabbath. This is where it all begins. It goes on to say, the king also sent edicts by messengers to Jerusalem and to the towns of Judah, directing them to adopt customs foreign to the country. Banning burnt offerings, sacrifices, and libations from the sanctuary, profaning Sabbaths, and profaning the feasts, defiling the sanctuary and everything that's holy, building altars, shrines, and temples for idols, sacrificing pigs and unclean beasts, leaving their sons uncircumcised, and prostituting themselves to all kinds of impurity and abomination. Wow. Sounds like Israel woke up to a comprehensive education curriculum to fundamentally turn their biblical culture upside down. Anyone listening? This was the agenda of this Antichrist. Verse 49. So that they should forget the law, the Torah, and revoke all observance of it. That's the ultimate goal of the Antichrist. That's the ultimate agenda, is to get the people of God to forget God, to forget His Torah, to revoke all observance of it. Forget and revoke. He banned the right of Israel to exercise 
their religion, and they submitted to it. Verse 50, anyone not obeying the king's command was put to death. Tyrants rule through violence. Tyrants use terrorism to force the people of God to betray him. Verse 51, writing in such terms to every part of his kingdom, the king appointed inspectors, inspectors. I can't even say who they are today. They'll censor us. I have to be so careful what we're saying today because we don't want to lose the following that we have on our platform. Now, ultimately, we might have to move to another platform, right? Because we're not going to compromise, but we're going to be wise and use codes that they don't know. They can't decode because they're not spiritual people. I'm telling you. So anyway, you're tracking with me? Okay. They appointed inspectors for the whole people and directed all the towns of Judah to offer sacrifice city by city. They were auditors to make sure everyone was, was in alignment with the king's edicts. Many of the people, that is, every apostate from the Torah, rallied to them and so committed evil in the country, forcing forcing the remnant of Israel, that smaller part of Israel, who was faithful, forced them into hiding in any possible place of refuge. Most of Israel fell away. A remnant stayed true, but they were hiding out. So let's talk about Daniel's abomination of desolation or the abomination that makes desolate. The little horn of Greece and the little horn of Rome usher in the abomination of desolation. Uh, Jesus comments on this in Matthew 24 and Luke 21. Uh, maybe I'll do a series on the abomination of desolation, right? That would be fun. Okay, 1 Maccabees 1, 54 through 60. On the 15th day of Chislev, that corresponds to our month December. Okay? Keep that in mind. On the 15th day of Chislev, in the year 145, the king built the appalling abomination. This is what Jesus refers to as the abomination of desolation. The king built the appalling abomination on top of the altar of burnt offering. And altars were built in surrounding towns of Judah and incense offered at the doors of houses and in the streets. They first set it up in Jerusalem, in the temple, the abomination of desolation. Then they mimic that and they bring it to all the other towns around Jerusalem. They make their way out to greater Israel, and they begin to force everyone in all the cities to sacrifice what represents the great gods in the holy places. Month after month. I'm sorry. Any books of the law that came to light were torn up and burned. What do we call that? Censorship. They're going to cancel Judaism. They want to cancel the people of Israel. There are powers today that are working to cancel and ban the Bible as hate literature. They are seduced and inspired by the spirit of the serpent. Verse 57. 
Whenever anyone was discovered possessing a copy of the covenant or practicing the Torah, the king's decree sentenced him to death. Verse 58, month after month, they took harsh action against any offenders they discovered in the towns of Israel. On the 25th day of each month, on the 25th day of each month, starting in that December, 10 days after, or 15 days after what the king had done, on the 25th of each month, sacrifice was all offered on the altar erected on top of the altar of the burnt offering. What is it about the 25th of December? You know, what is it about the 25th that it has to somehow, you know, have some, some big place in the agenda of the Antichrist? That too is another sermon. Okay. Women who had their children circumcised were put to death, according to the edict, with their babies hung around their necks. They're living babies. And the members of their household and those who had performed the circumcision were executed with them. You say, you know, some, some people have pointed out, oh, this is hyperbole. They never, they were, it was never that bad. People just don't do that. Armies don't do that. What, what did we just see on October 7th? No, they do these things. This is the serpent. He does disgusting, despicable, shocking, appalling acts of violence. Verse 62, but many in Israel stood strong and they resolved in their hearts not to eat impure food they chose there to die rather than be defiled by the food or or to dishonor the holy covenant and they did die and great anger came against israel many stood strong these are the maccabees this is the faithful remnant they stood up even in the face of death and said no i'd rather die than betray my god in his ways This is who we are. This is our glory to stand for Christ, to carry the cross, to go and say, no, even in the face of death, I will not turn my back on the living God. The Maccabees are the model for standing and persevering in the face of tyranny. We're going to see this next week. We'll read their story next week. Suffice it to say, Revelation 14, 12, this calls for the endurance of the saints who keep God's commandments and keep faith with Jesus. That is the spirit of the Maccabees. We're going to what? We're going to keep God's commandments and we're going to keep Jesus center and focused as the one who came and died for us, the savior of the world, king of kings and lord of lords. So, like the songwriter said, like the songwriter said, go and tell Veronica, it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Shabbat Shalom.